Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. We've made it to Wednesday. It's October 6th. I'm Nyla Voodoo. Here's how we're making you smarter today. Latina entrepreneurs show resilience despite the pandemic. Plus, manatees are dying in droves off the Florida coast. But first, today's one big thing, why energy is getting more expensive. I was a little surprised when I pulled up at the gas station this weekend. Maybe you've also noticed that the price of gasoline at U.S. pumps is up. According to AAA, Tuesday's national average of about $3.20 a gallon is more than a dollar higher than it was a year ago. And it's not just here. Energy prices are climbing around the world. And as Axios Kate Marino has been writing, it could affect our post-pandemic economic recovery. Good morning, Kate. Good morning. Kate, what's causing this global rise in energy prices? Well, it's kind of a perfect storm of demand for energy skyrocketing while supply remains a little bit constrained. You know, if you think back to the beginning of the pandemic, there were very few flights taking place. People weren't going on trips. Office buildings and movie theaters were shuttered. So the demand for energy was really low. A lot of oil and gas producers, you know, naturally, they cut back on production. Oil and gas prices fell a lot at that point, which made producers even less willing to produce if they're not going to be able to sell it at a profit. And it's really just as simple as it's bouncing back in a huge way from those lows. What does this mean for the American consumer? If you look at the Consumer Price Index, or the CPI, which is one major measure of inflation, its latest reading in September showed that energy costs were up 25% compared to a year ago. So, you know, if your electricity bill is $50 or $60 a month or more, I mean, that really adds up uh, month after month now that this has been going on for a little while. And it does affect the country's economic recovery overall. Every dollar that goes to electric and heating bills is a dollar that isn't spent on shopping or going out to eat. So for people on tighter budgets, this can be a pretty significant impact, and it does flow through to impact the overall economic recovery. And how are we seeing this play out in other countries? Like, for example, in the UK, this has been a real headache over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, the problem sort of started to make headlines in Europe and in particular the UK where they were facing natural gas shortages over the summer. The shortage of natural gas in Europe led some power companies to swap natural gas for oil, and then that's been pushing up the prices of both natural gas and oil. And because these are global markets, not local markets, it does impact buyers and sellers and consumers all around the world. Do we know when we might see prices even out? What's it going to look like this fall? Well, this is the million-dollar question. In this case, some experts say that, you know, once supply chain bottlenecks even out, prices might start coming down, and we just need a little time for the supply to get to the demand. But On the other hand, you do have multiple investment banks, including Bank of America, Goldman Sachs. They're forecasting oil at $100 a barrel by the end of the year. So unfortunately, the answer is no one really knows when uh, we're going to get a little bit of relief from this price rally. Kate Marino is a business editor for Axios. Thank you, Kate. Thank you. Back in a moment with new polling that shows Latino entrepreneurs still want to open new businesses.
Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boudou. Latinas are more likely to own or plan to open their own businesses than non-Hispanic women in the U.S. According to a new poll from Telemundo, the Latino Victory Foundation, and Hispanics Organized for Political Equality. Telemundo's Marina Franco is with us now. Hi, Marina. Hi, Nyla. Thank you so much for having me. Marina, can you break down these numbers for us? How significant are they? I think the most significant part of this is that it shows the resiliency amongst this community because they have been the hardest hit. So before the pandemic, Hispanic small businesses were opening at a far greater rate than any other groups. But within those Hispanic small businesses, Latina-owned small businesses were actually booming. So then they were the most affected by the pandemic and its after effects in terms of loved ones lost, in terms of business closures. They had the most layoffs. They had the most closures, according to a Stanford study, and in terms, of course, of unemployment. So it's very interesting that even after that, they still say that they are the most interested group in opening new businesses again. Marina, are there any specific stats that kind of stand out to you? Like, what should people take away from the poll? Yes, for entrepreneurship especially, I think it is notable that it is twice the rate as non-Latinas who are interested in not only starting their own businesses, but that already do have their own business. And of course, since before the pandemic, these Latina-owned businesses were also important employers, So even Small Business Administration data shows that they weren't just opening, say, a flower shop that they run themselves. They were employing more people. So the fact that they remain so willing to open up new businesses that they they own means that they will be employing other people as well. Marina Franco is a reporter for Telemundo News and one of the co-authors of Axios Latino. Thanks, Marina. Thank you. It's been a devastating year for manatees in Florida. As of September 24th, 957 have died. That's the most ever since the state has been keeping records. And it's more than 10 percent of the total population of the gentle giants of the waterways of Florida. Axios Tampa Bay's Ben Montgomery is here to explain why. Hey, Ben, what's going on here? The first few months of this year were especially uh, bad for the manatees when they Uh, moved into their winter feeding grounds, into lagoons and rivers in Florida, they found a depleted amount of seagrass bed. The seagrasses here have been fading and deteriorating for quite some time. And so they started dying at a really uh, rapid rate, broke all sorts of records. Are there any successful efforts underway to get seagrass in a healthier position for manatees? The fact is there have been some polluters through the years in the state of Florida. You know, Joe and Jane Sixpack, who fertilize their lawn because they want to keep green grass. Large industrial agriculture polluters have really harmed the waterways. There have been people who found success in trying to restore seagrasses over the years, but it seems like it will uh, start to come back and then be impacted negatively by even more pollution. Ben Montgomery is a Tampa Bay reporter for Axios. Thanks, Ben. Thanks so much. In a wondrous place known as the Hundred Acre Wood is a bear named Winnie the Pooh. 
Before we go today, for all you Pooh fans out there, a piece of what inspired those iconic words is up for sale. Yeah, all right now. Now the first stick to pass all the way under the bridge wins. Now on your marks, get set, go! That countryside bridge in southern England that inspired author A.A. A. Milne is up for auction today. It's listed at 50,000 pounds or almost $70,000, but auctioneers are hoping it'll go for about five times that amount. They're also hoping the bridge will be bought and installed in a nearby museum so Sussex doesn't lose one of its proudest local cultural touchstones. That's it for us today. You can reach our team at podcasts at axios.com or message me directly on Twitter. Or you can text me at 202-918-4893. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.